Welcome to Naya Unfiltered. I'm Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of the Naya Beauty app. When we started this podcast, originally we talked about all things beauty, but I wanted to expand the conversation to include the three eyes which were most important to me. I wanted Naya Unfiltered to be impactful, insightful, and informative. We have carefully curated a list of interesting people with interesting stories who will hopefully leave you wanting to learn more. I hope you enjoy our new revamped Naya Unfiltered. Hi guys, welcome back. Today I'm talking to Dr. Nidhi Singh. We're talking all things skincare, Botox, melasma, sunscreen, moisturizer, hyaluronic acid, all of the things that we want to know how to keep our skin looking fresh, young, and forever beautiful. Welcome to our next episode. Hi guys, this is Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of Naya Beauty. Welcome back to Naya Unfiltered. Today I have the beautiful dermatologist, I can't even speak, I'm so excited, dermatologist, Dr. Nini Tandon. Um, Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Nidhi Singh Tandon. I'm a board certified dermatologist and um, I'm also the founder of Skin Art Clinic and Holistic Dermatology. And thank you so much, Naya, for having me. Uh, I'm so excited and looking forward. So let's get into the tea. Over here, it's really warm in San Diego and it's kind of a little bit humid, um, not too much, but then I went to South Carolina where it was warm and humid. And I'm wondering, I did exactly the same type of skincare routine that I did back at home but it really wasn't working for me. So can you just explain like, as far as traveling in the different regions, how is, how should your skincare change or can it be the same? Yes, um, our skin definitely changes according to weather, climate, altitude. Um, so you have to be really mindful where, wherever you're going, right? So if you're going to a humid uh, place, I would advise not to layer. Um, so keep your routine very, very simple. Um, keep your moisturizer very light, water-based, gel-based. Um, and don't layer too many products because that will kind of create more, um, you know, um, layers on your skin and that will kind of lead to sweating and then sweating can lead to um, maybe rashes, acne breakouts and all that. So I think it's better to keep it very, very simple and uh, very basic. A cleanser and a moisturizer and sunblock. That's it. Well, okay. When we're talking about sunblock here, I just want to know your opinion. How do you feel about sunblock, like sunscreen and moisturizer combined? You know how they have mm. this um, SPF moisturizer? Do yeah, you like yeah. those or, or um, should we use two different products? For me, it's always two different products because um, A, moisturizer, when you're using moisturizer with sunscreen, you don't know what SPF you're actually getting. Um, so it's always, it kind of uh, dilutes the effect of sun, sunblock. So I feel that you always have to use a moisturizer as a different product. And then on top of it, you have to use a sunscreen, which is like a sunscreen, maybe a sunscreen that is moisturizing, but not a moisturizer that is sunscreen. A sunscreen that is moisturizing rather than. Yes. Yes. So if you, if you, yeah, exactly. So if you're someone who's lazy and you want like, you know, I just want one product, then maybe, you know, you can use a, like a sunscreen, which has more moisturizing effect rather than a, a moisturizer that has a little bit of sunscreen in it. When I traveled there, I know sunscreen is like super important. So I did something that my niece was like, you never do. I experimented. And so I took a new sunscreen with me and literally I looked purple. I looked purple all over my face. Okay. So I know that it's really super important, um, to have zinc, you know, um, and that's that mineral based sunscreen, but for a person of my complexion, you know, it had like a really white or purple cast. cast. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, see, even I prefer a more like a chemical or an organic sunscreen because I feel it doesn't, it cosmetically it's more acceptable. Uh, but um, now people are preferring uh, more like a physical blocker. But the only downside to that is it leaves a very bad white cast, especially with people who have a little bit of color, maybe, uh, you know, that sort of doesn't look really nice on the skin. So that's why people prefer more. And I personally prefer a chemical or organic sunscreen more than a physical one. One of the most popular questions, how do you incorporate sunscreen into your makeup routine? So what I, I tell my patients uh, or my uh, audience is that sunscreen has to be your first, like a base, right? So you do your skincare and you put your sunblock on top. And on that, you can use whatever products like you know, BB cream or um, you know, makeup, because a lot of people feel that, you know, if they're, if they're using a foundation with SPF 30, their work is done. But actually, that's the wrong way of applying. That's not a sunscreen. It's not a substitute for sunscreen, maybe like an additional layer. But that's not your sunscreen, because you're not going to apply foundation as much as you need to, like a sunscreen, right? So um, sunscreen has to be the first step, and then your makeup on top of it. And your makeup can have SPF, but that's not a substitute for your sunscreen. What do you think about mineral makeup that they talk about, um, you know, it's like in a powder form, but it powder, yes. to be so much better for your skin and it's supposed to have like the uh -huh. natural SPF. Do you believe in that or should we still be putting on SPF? I think it's important to use a normal sunscreen first, and then you can keep those mineral powder based sunscreen as a top up. Like maybe, you know, during the day when you have to reapply, because one of the most important things with sunscreen is that you have to reapply. So um, reapplication is important no matter what SPF you're using, anywhere from three to onward, 32 onwards is okay. But if you're not reapplying, uh, that's when uh, the damage happens, okay? So um, you can keep that as a top-up maybe on your makeup, you can put it, uh, but then that's not a substitute. Again, for me, a sunscreen is a must. And, and, and you're talking about reapplication. So how often are you supposed to reapply? I would say if you're out and about, I think every two to three hours. And if you're swimming, then uh, maybe earlier uh, swimming. And, you know, if you're at higher altitude, then you have to reapply uh, after two hours because it stops okay. working. After that. How are we supposed to reapply when you have makeup on? How are we going to do that? It's difficult, but you know, there, oh, there's always a way out. I think if you're out on a holiday, then I don't think people are too much into uh, heavy makeup, especially if you're going out in the sunny places. Um, then I think a sunscreen and then maybe a BB cream that has sunscreen in it. So when you put your sunscreen, then you put a BB cream with your SPF in it, and then you can reapply your BB cream. But then if you're on a beach, then BB cream is not going to help you. You have to reapply your sunscreen. You can use um, those micellar, uh, you know, the, the micellar uh, pads. Oh, you yes. can clean, wipe off, and then you can again put sunscreen and do the whole routine. I mean, um, it is important to reapply because obviously then otherwise your skin is damaged from the sun. So, And then yeah. can you put this, um, this misconception to rest that if it's cloudy outside, you don't need sunscreen? <laughs> yeah. So what I say is that you need sunscreen 365 days in a year. You have to use sunscreen every single day because even if it's cloudy, even if it's raining, winters, some people don't apply sunscreen during winters because they feel there's no sun. Uh, but unfortunately, you have sun every single day. And uh, that's the truth. And the UVB and the B, uh, UV radiation, they actually can get through clouds as well. Um, through any weather conditions. So you have to make sure that you're applying your sunscreen. 
Okay, so for everyone out there, you heard her, you heard the expert, you need to wear sunscreen every single day, regardless if it's raining, regardless if it's snowing. If you're gonna go outside, you need to wear some sunscreen. So that's summer care. You know, we're entering into fall into winter. So what is your, um, your skincare routine that you're suggesting for winter? I think for winters, uh, again, it remains the same. Um, I don't think it really changes except for the moisturizer, maybe uh, you would need a little bit thicker moisturizer than what you would need in like during summers. So I think the moisturizer changes, maybe if you're using um, a face wash, which is a little bit uh, for the summer season, you may have to change it during winters, but the basic cleansing, uh, moisturizing and sunscreen, it remains the same. Um, but I think maybe adding a thicker moisturizer um, would help, especially people who have dry skin or um, you know, a little combination skin. So maybe changing that would help. So I want to start talking about products for the face. Mm -hmm. And I want to know um, over-the-counter versus prescriptions. And mm -hmm. when you hear and um, you read about prescription strength, are there certain products you think you really do need a prescription or there are some really great dupes that are over-the-counter products that still do the job very well? What do you think about that? Um, it depends on uh, what product you're talking about. Uh, there are certain products which, see, um, if you have a skin issue, then obviously you would want to see a dermatologist and they will obviously prescribe you the prescription strands. Of, I feel they are a little bit better. There's nothing like obviously uh, compared to prescription strands. Uh, but if you're someone who has a normal skin or um, don't have much of uh, a problem in your skin, then oh, even there are wonderful uh, brands uh, that can do the job. So it's not necessary that you have to use the prescription strands. But if there is a certain concern, um, like you, know, you have a um, stubborn pigmentation or you have a lot of acne, then you have to go to a dermatologist and you know, obviously um, get prescription products that would work better for uh, you know, your problem, skin problems. So we've, we've talked about um, pretty much day care, but let's talk about night care for um, mm -hmm. the skincare routine and specifically, you know, that you hear about retinol and retin-A. So can you tell our audience the difference between that or sh which one should they use and what is your suggestion? Okay. So retinol is basically, it's a, um, it belongs to a category called as retinoids. So whatever you hear, uh, like whatever you uh, see in the market, um, you have retinol, retinaldehyde, you have different type of esters. Then you have something called as retin-A or tretinoin, retinoic acid, which is the prescription strength. So obviously this is a little bit uh, more irritating than your retinol, but it's more effective than retinol. How they work is basically they increase the cell turnover and they're great for um, you know, lines and wrinkles. Um, even like the prescription strength, obviously um, the retin-A is great for your acne. Um, and uh, the only difference is in how, see it works in the same way, um, but retinol needs to be converted into the retinoic acid in your skin, whereas retinoic acid or retin-A is the uh, converted form. So it's more irritating, but it's very, very effective. So that's the difference. So they, I always hear that you're supposed to take retinol, you use retinol and retin-A at night. Do you, yes. Can you only use it at night? And why is it at night? Um, see, um, 
you can use, especially the ones that are now formulated in such a certain uh, way that you can use it during the day and night. Uh, but I prefer personally to use it at night when your skin is, uh, you know, you're kind of resting and, you know, your, your skin is regenerating. I think it's better to use it during um, the night. And also it makes your skin a little bit sensitive. So applying it during the day can cause a little problem. So during the day, I would um, prefer maybe a vitamin C and a sunblock. Uh, and at night, I think I reserve my retinoids at night. Okay. So there's a lot of um, products that are coming to the market, right? You have like glycolic acid. I mean, there's a lot of acids. There's like glycolic acid, alpha, beta, hydroxy, um, all these different acids. And people get really confused because there's like the 12 step pro, you know, 12 step skin routine, routine, three step. Uh-huh. What do you, as far as incorporating these acids into your skincare routine, what would be good for a morning and what would good be for a nighttime? I know you said, you know, retinol or retin-A at night, but with all those act, you know, these ingredients, what would you recommend for a daytime versus nighttime? There are different types of acids. We have alpha, like you said, alpha hydroxy acid and beta hydroxy acid. Now we have polyhydroxy acids, which are more gentle and uh, good for sensitive skin. Um, so we have lactic acid, glycolic acid in um, alpha hydroxy acids. I still prefer to use it during uh, the nighttime. So what I do is I don't like to overdo acids. Um, so during, for example, during a week, I would like to uh, limit few nights uh, for chemical exfoliation with acids and then maybe alternate it with, um, you know, my retinoids. So that way uh, I'm not um, overwhelming my skin. At the same time, I'm getting the benefits of both. Um, during the day, I like to protect my skin with vitamin C because we need um, an antioxidant in our skincare. And I think vitamin C has been studied extensively and has shown a lot of promise as far as increase in collagen and protecting your skin from the oxidative damage. So um, a lot of people say, why not during the night? But I feel like at night, why can't you use vitamin C? Um, I feel we need it during the day because um, of all the environmental stressors and the UV radiation. So we need to protect our skin. So UV, um, um, your vitamin C is going to help you protect from the UV damage. So that should be during the day. And at night, I think you can alternate it or maybe twice a week, you can exfoliate with an alpha hydroxy acid. And rest of the days you can use your retinol, but I would always advise people to start slowly. So not go really um, like, you know, maybe once start with once in a, once in a week um, chemical exfoliation and maybe once or twice retinol and then slowly build it up. Now let's start diving in. Let's talk procedures. I've seen these great before and after pictures on your Instagram. And I know that you talked about, you know, let's say like if you have acne and there's only so much cream that you can put on acne. So what type of procedures are there that can help repair the skin? So one of the things that happens after acne is a lot of people come with blemishes, whether it is post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation or post-inflammatory erythema, the red spots that you see on your face. Um, And along with that, they also have pits, which are really difficult to treat with any topical because it's like a scar. So once a scar is formed in your skin, topical is not going to really help it. So what we need to do is we need to, um, uh, you know, work with some lasers or maybe microneedling. There are wonderful lasers out there. I work a lot with fractional um, lasers. So I think that really helps in resurfacing your skin and also building that collagen. And um, 
that's how it makes your skin, um, you know, the texture improves after lasers. So I think if you are suffering from acne pits, um, then I think lasers and microneedling, maybe fractional radio frequency helps. And if it's just blemishes, uh, then uh, for, for your red blemishes, lasers, um, light IPL and PDL works well. Um, maybe a combination of both will help um, like IPL and re, uh, you know, fractional resurfacing. So um, it depends on person to patient to patient and what kind of scars they have, what kind of skin um, condition they have. What would you recommend for anti-aging then? See, the thing is uh, the principle remains the same. Uh, the principle behind most of the lasers is to basically increase the collagen uh, by inflicting a deliberate wound into your skin. So it basically tricks your body into thinking that, you know, it needs to be repaired. So it starts producing more collagen, right? So uh, for anti-aging, uh, again, depends. Uh, if you are targeting fine lines and wrinkles, there, is, there are definitely fractional lasers. Um, there is radio frequency skin uh, for skin. Um, microneedling works well. Um, PRP for skin works well. So there are so many procedures that you can do. Um, mm -hmm. And I would always advise people to start a little bit early like in their 30s and mid-30s and not to wait because a lot of people, I don't know about um, your side, but yeah, definitely here people reserve themselves from doing anything too early and they yes. want to really push it. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's always better to start early than to, you know. I totally agree. You know, my mother, she's Korean and she said, start early for a couple of Absolutely. Weeks. One is that you can't turn the clock backwards, right? Absolutely. You never Absolutely. can go backwards, but you can kind of like, not really freeze time, but you can kind of like make it longer or kind of make it go slower with your aging and they age yes. gracefully, right? Yes. See, aging, I feel that, you know, you cannot stop aging. It's an inevitable. It's a part of our life. Um, only thing is that you can slow it down a little bit with a combination of your at-home skincare with the procedures that are available with your doctor and of course a lifestyle because um, a lot of aging also depends on on your genetics um, but lifestyle really mod you know modifies how the genes express so it's very important that you are taking care of your food diet exercise and then you're doing all these procedures so it's basically a combination of all these things rather than just one single thing now so people are starting to um, like younger like you said starting younger um, yes they're starting to like um, do Botox. For a yes. person who is afraid to get Botox, let's say they're older and it's just, you know, they have this um, fear thinking that they're putting poison in their bodies. Can you just explain what Botox does for people, especially in their face and prevention of wrinkles? It's like a paper, right? So if you see a paper, if you keep on folding it, um, it will form a line, right? Mm -hmm. So same as with our muscles, as we animate, as we go down the path of life, we start to develop um, wrinkles, right? So um, that's because of the action of the muscles, right? So what this, um, Botox is a brand name. So this is basically a neurotoxin or we call it botulinum toxin. It relaxes the muscles. Um, a lot of we people get worried that it paralyzes your muscles. No, it doesn't. It just relaxes the muscles and um, that will kind of relax your lines and wrinkles. And um, it will prevent the formation of um, you know, lines. So I think it's a wonderful treatment. Again, I would say you have to start whenever you uh, see the, you know, dynamic wrinkles, uh, the wrinkles that are in motion and not wait for them to become really static and then take the plunge. I think the earlier you start, the better. 
And then are there any, if, if you start early, um, I don't want to say side effects, but is there a downside to using it for so long or do, does it become um, less effective or how does that work? It doesn't, it doesn't become less effective, I would say, but it's just that over a period of time, you would require lesser amounts of it. Um, and I think what people or what injectors are now doing um, all across the uh, world is that they are using lesser amount of Botox. So they're doing what we call as baby Botox. So they're not over injecting, whether it's fillers or Botox, they're not overdoing it. So they're doing it like in a, um, I would say a very um, conservative way. So that sort of helps. Um, overdoing is, I think, a thing of the past where people had frozen expressions yes. and frozen faces. I think that's something which is in the past. And I think these are absolutely wonderful tools uh, if you're using them um, you know, mindfully and uh, getting it done from a good injector who knows um, how to do things aesthetically. I think that really depends on your injector as well. So you talk about you know, the old style and the new style. And I've been seeing some exciting, um, I guess, injectables, but they're combining things. Like, I think I saw you doing, and maybe is it called stamping where it's like a little vial? Yeah. Little vial. Uh -huh. you talk yes. about that. Um, so that's basically um, what you call is Aqua Gold. It's again, a very well-known brand. Um, so what it does is basically you can actually mix your, um, Botox and your uh, fillers and whatever cocktail you want, whether it's vitamin C, hyaluronic acid or whatever, um, along with, you know, all these good vitamins, you can actually inject them into your skin. So basically the fine needles, um, which will uh, obviously not go deeper, but it will give you that nice stretch in your skin. So it works like a meso kind of a uh, meso therapy where it is injected superficially and not deeper into your skin. So it's going to give you that stretch, that nice uh, sheen on your skin, like a filter uh, proof, uh, you know, skin. So you will look, you yeah. don't need a filter once you do that. So basically it's like a derma stamp. So with the Botox, how often um, do people need to return? How often should they do this procedure? And then with that aqua gold, how often do they do that? Or is it the same time frame? Botox will last you anywhere from, I would say four months to five months. Um, uh, it depends on person to person also, uh, but I feel it lasts up to four months. Um, and sometimes people get it, um, you know, twice in a year and, um, yeah, so it doesn't last very long. Uh, but yes, once people get the hang of it and they like how they look, they keep coming back for more. And then what about fillers? There's so many different types of fillers and you talked about collagen and, and mm -hmm. seeing, um, you know, the production of collagen. So are fillers to take the place of collagen or can they help with the production of collagen? How does that work? Um, fillers are basically hyaluronic acid. So as we know, hyaluronic acid is, is an important part of our body, right? So as we age, it starts to diminish like your collagen elastin, right? Um, and um, what it does, it basically, it just um, fills, like it just lifts your skin. So, um, yeah, so it's basically, um, yes, the, of course, it increases the collagen, but it will give you that nice lift, um, especially what happens with gravity, our faces start coming down towards, mm -hmm. like, you know, we start developing jowls and, you know, the marinette lines and the nasal labial folds. So what it does, it basically fills um, your face and, you know, lifts it. So I was told that, okay, like the marinette lines, like, like, the, na like the nose, right, the nasal. Nasal labial folds, right? yes. So 
I was told before, like the old days was to fill it here, but fill now it. they're yes. saying that's not the cause, that's the effect, and it's to fill it here. Is that right? Absolutely. It's absolutely right. Um, because um, why this happens is because of obviously uh, when you have um, a little sagging, this mid-facial ptosis. So what happens is your fat compartments are coming down and you start to develop these lines. So if you uh, see in the mirror and if you try to lift it, lift your cheek up, you'll see that this completely yeah. vanishes, right? Yes. And um, earlier what they used to do is overfill this area and it would look really artificial because a little bit of nasolabial fold is of course important. If you want to look natural, this needs to be there, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. need to be erased completely for you, from your skin. So I think uh, what even I like to do is just lift the cheeks um, rather than fill this area. And then what do you think about like, what would you recommend for people with hooded eye, you know, hooded eyes with their eyebrows? What would you recommend? A lot of people are, uh, so why it happens is because you start to lose fat, uh, lose uh, from here, right? So um, a lot of people are filling the temples uh, here. Uh, some of them are also doing um, a little bit of lift with Botox. Uh, then you can also use threads. So there are a lot of things that you can do. Um, radio frequency devices or Altera, um, they don't give you that much of um, effect, uh, but that can be done in people um, who are not willing for any injectables. Threading. A lot of people are confused. They see these like threads coming out. And can you just explain um, what threading is, please? So it's again, basically the same principle. Um, it's going to go in and increase the collagen. So when you put it in a specific direction, it kind of pulls your skin up. And then over a period of time, it forms like a meshwork in your skin, right? And over a period of time, the collagen is going to build on that, right? And that kind of gives you a, a lift, like on your face. Okay. Although it doesn't, it doesn't stay for too long, but- um, How long does that's it something stay? A lot how, long does, how, how long does that- I, I would say um, anywhere from, I it depends on what kind of uh, products you're using and what thread technique you're using, but I think six to eight months, up to, up to six to eight months. Um, but a lot of people don't see uh, too much of improvement also. Um, but that again, depends on person to person, case to case and what kind of um, sagging they have. So if you were going to um, describe this journey, maybe it would be, um, over-the-counter products and then prescription and then some like lasers just trying when does it get to the point where they actually have to have cosmetic surgery the products that you use at home or the product that i'm going to recommend um they're not really going to lift your skin up because uh, that's uh, you know as we age we need a different combination of things so skincare is definitely important to obviously take care of your texture your tone your lines and wrinkles maybe uh, prevent them from formation. But once you have that sagging and once you have that uh, gravity effect, you need things to kind of pull them up because creams are not gonna do that. Creams can only take care of your superficial part of your skin. Uh, but when it comes to you know, lifting your skin up, you would either need fillers or maybe you know, um, Altera or radio frequency. Um, and I would always uh, suggest to start early so that, you know, um, it gets easier because if you start late, then you'll have to do a lot of things to get like a good result. So always wiser to start early um, and you can always visit your dermatologist um, to really find out what works best for you. 
are there certain procedures that depending upon a person's skin tone that they should avoid, or is this something that, you know, regardless of their skin tone, how light or dark it is, it's something everybody can try? Um, yes, there are certain lasers um, that, um, especially the ones that um, target melanin, obviously. Um, so you have to be very careful, especially um, like Indian Asian uh, patients who have a lot of melanin in their skin. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing lasers, they can actually end up having more pigmentation. So for me, I always, especially with peels as well. So their peels are also very, very um, popular. Uh, way of exfoliating and you know maintaining your skin um, and that can also uh, be a little um, you have to be a little more careful with um, Asian skin because we have a lot of melanin so anything that causes more inflammation in our skin can actually lead to pigmentation and that happens with lasers also there are more chances of burns and scarring in a darker skin tone. Do you see some common mistakes that people make and that they actually, then they have to go and see you for, that they've made some mistakes and they've actually injured their skin? Would you tell people to stay away from doing certain stuff? Yeah. So what I see in my practice is that a lot of people do DIYs. So, um, you know, using a toothpaste on their face for acne or using like a home remedy with like lemon juice, they actually burn their skin. So that's number one mistake. Don't go for DIYs. Um, please consult a dermatologist if you have a skin issue, because a lot of people actually use the entire kitchen on their skin. That's not going to help you. So you have to, you have to consult a dermatologist. And second mistake I um, have seen very commonly is that people don't apply sunscreen. Um, and a lot of us, like Asians, we are more prone to melasma. And, um, you know, melasma is, is, I think, one of the most challenging skin problems out there because um, uh, it is difficult to treat. So I think that is one mistake. And they, they say that, you know, we don't go out, so why should we apply sunscreen? So that's a common myth that, um, you know, you don't have to apply sunscreen indoors. So not applying sunscreen and using, um, I think, random stuff on your face. Um, a lot of people wax their face, so that also causes um, a lot of um, burns. Um, so I think these are a few things that I keep um, repeatedly like experiencing. The, the number one product that everyone should use that's universal for everyone, what would you recommend? Sunscreen. <laughs> sunscreen. You can ask any dermatologist. I think anywhere in the world, they will say sunscreen is very important. Um, it will prevent you from cancers, from aging, from pigmentation, from the melasma, which is um, horrible. Um, and I think that's one thing that if you have to use, I think it's good uh, as, even as a prevention uh, for your aging. I think um, because 80% of our aging is photo-aging, right? So you have to protect yourself from sun. So that's one product which everybody must use. Yeah, it's like I've heard, you know, it'll be, oh, Retin-A is the one product that everyone should use. But then I think it's it's sunscreen. Sunscreen should be your number Absolutely. one product, right? Absolutely. You even Absolutely. said Absolutely. 365 See, even if, a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So even if you are using uh, Retin-A at night, you have to protect your skin during the day with a sunscreen. So um, if you don't, then you will get obviously uh, a sensitivity on your skin. So um, I think sunscreen is something that protects and um, I think prevents. So yeah, that's one product that's must. So what's the number one procedure that you do in your office that you just pretty much do every day? 
I do a lot of laser scar uh, lasers for acne scarring. I think my every other patient has acne scarring, and that's something that I, we do a lot. Is it hormonal that the, the acne that you see, or you know what what type of acne are you are you working on? Um, so we have a lot of people in their teenage. Um, obviously. Uh, they, they have acne issues. But what we've seen, the latest trend um, for the past four to five years is that a lot of adult acne um, and a lot of people with polycystic ovaries, um, you know, thyroid problems, um, mm -hmm. autoimmune issues. So they have acne. And uh, mostly women in 20s, late 20s, 30s, 40s, they're experiencing acne. And they are um, really confused. Like, why are we having acne you know in this age because we are not teenage anymore but um, yes definitely I would say it's a combination of lifestyle and um, stress lifestyle food I think it all contributes to acne that obviously leads to lifestyle problems like polycystic ovaries and you know thyroid issues and that's what we encounter I'm seeing, seeing a lot of women with um, acne in their 30s. Are there certain products you think are just not worth it, like for instance, eye cream or neck cream. What do you think about those type of creams? Just save our money, what do you think? At the end of the day, you have to moisturize, okay? And it doesn't matter what name or what uh, label you have on it, right? Because um, a lot of skincare is, as you guys know, it's, a, um, it's an industry. It's, a lot of it is marketing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you need a separate cream for your neck whatever you use on your face, you can use on your neck as well. Uh, and I advise that uh, to a lot of my patients that you must use, not neglect your neck. So whatever you're using on your face goes on your neck as well. Eye cream, um, even a normal moisturizer will do, it, do the job. But if you have, definitely, if you have like pigmentation issues, then obviously things like vitamin C, um, you know, arbutin or niacinamide or caffeine, if you have puffiness, it does work. I feel eye cream still, um, you can use, according to your concern. Uh, but if your eyes are okay and you don't have any issues, you can use a normal moisturizer all around your eyes as well. There's not a problem. Uh, but yes, definitely not a different neck cream uh, for your neck. I think whatever goes on your face can go on your neck. I don't think there's any need for a separate product for that. Can you tell our audience what your recommendations are for hair loss? Yeah, so recently, um, I feel it's like an a, like a epidemic of hair fall uh, because of the uh, post-COVID uh, telogen effluvium. So a lot of people have had COVID a few, few months back, and now they've returned to us with a lot of hair fall. Mm -hmm. And what happens with this is that, um, you know, with hair fall, people get really stressed, um, you know, when they're losing so much of hair. So what I tell them is that it's a process. What you need to do is you need to give back your body what it has lost, uh, fighting the virus. So you need to have a diet which is rich in proteins, which is rich in your omega-3 fatty acids with you know all the essential elements um, required. You can add um, you can add a good supplement for your hair. You can use um, peptide-based uh, uh, peptide lotions, which will help. Uh, with the hair regrowth. And if you have a lot of hair loss, your doctor will recommend either um, some topical uh, prescription medicines or maybe PRP will also help um, in uh, you know, your hair fall. So with PRP, you've mentioned PRP a couple of times. You've mentioned PRP on the face and on the hair. Can you just explain what PRP is for our audience? 
PRP is platelet-rich plasma. So basically what we're doing is we're taking your own blood and we are separating the plasma, which has platelets and growth factors, which are actually growth for regeneration. Um, so when we inject in the hair, it's like fertilizer for your hair. So your hair is going to grow better and the hair fall will stop, right? Same happens with your face. It kind of increases the collagen, it regenerates and um, you know, makes your skin um, you know, tighter and um, basically like an anti-aging procedure, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so basically it has growth factors, which that's what we need. And this is like your own blood. So it doesn't have really any side effects. Um, it's safer to use and it's quite effective. So people love it. I love PRP. I've done, I do it, um, I've done it a couple of times and my face looks so good and it's glowing and it's just like rejuvenated. And yeah. I think, I don't know if Absolutely. you're supposed to do it once a quarter, but you're supposed to do it like maybe I was told like a couple times a year and I love it. When I saw that stamping thing, I'm like, no, what is that? I want to know what it is. How do I get it? Where do I get it? How much does it cost? Can I put it in my refrigerator? I'm done. I'm sold. So I want to know from you, what are the new exciting treatments that are coming out in the forefront that you're excited about? Basically, it remains the same right now. There's fillers, Botox, energy-based devices, um, and a lot of new stuff is coming. But um, yeah, it, it really depends what, you're, um, what you are looking at. Mm -hmm. um, because um, there's a, there's a market full of products and, and yes. machines and things that are happening. So there is um, new products with probiotics and then there are products with hemp and all that. So you really have to see what really works for you because I feel that end of the day, end of the day less is more and the basics remains the same. So if you stick to like a good skincare and uh, you, know, you know your skin well and you know that you're using a retinol a vitamin c you're using a good sunblock you're using maybe a good moisturizer i think you're good to go and um, things keep on keep on uh, evolving science is evolving and there's so many things that keeps coming in but i feel that if you stick to the basic basics it's great all right we're talking about like at-home procedures and diy right have you seen gadgets that people invest in that you're like please Put your money back into your wallet. It's not going to work. Yeah. So a lot of people don't want to go to the clinics, right? They want um, a little bit of what you call um, things that make them happy at home. Yeah. Um, so, so probably I think what's working now, a lot of, there's a lot of marketing also around this and a lot of, you know, bloggers are using it and everybody, uh, their skincare tools, which I'm sure because you're, you, you have a, a Korean, uh, this thing. So, you yes. know, that those gua sha's and, yes. um, the rollers work very well. So rollers. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. If you're into it, if you, if it makes you happy and if you feel that, you know, you need something, I mean, you want to make your skincare a little bit more interesting. I think why not? Um, it debuffs your face, increases the lymphatic drainage, and but it doesn't cause any, it is not a replacement for your Botox or fillers. It's not like a replacement for your gadgets, you know, other gadgets. So I think, yeah, you can do it if you are into it. If you want to make yourself feel um, happy and relaxed at home, there are at-home LED masks also, which can give you uh, good results if you're using it consistently over a period of time. Uh, but that is of, of obviously not um, equivalent to what you do at your doctor's place. So, um, but people who can't visit a dermatologist, it's a good thing for them. They have those masks, you know, it's red yes. light, blue light, red, blue, 
Um, they have the mask for the hair. So it's supposed to like uh -huh. with your hair regrowth. And then they have those like prongs that are supposed to like give uh -huh. you like new face. Yes. yes, yes. A microcurrent. Yes. Yes. So, um, um, I don't think they work really that much. Um, whatever they're, they're saying that uh, I don't think I also, I have tried, um, trust me, I got bored, um, after a few using it for a few times because I was like, why should I use it when I can use a proper machine at work? <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's great for people who can stick to it. Like if you're using it consistently, probably over a period of time, you will see results. I mean, um, I don't know what studies or what trials are there behind these products. Um, I'm sure if there is data which says, yes, it can help. Um, but I don't think there is any which shows that it's um, a replacement for this thing. But yes, for sure, at home, you can try and see. But you have to be consistent. You have to stick to it every day. There's other signs of aging, right, that can show on a person, like their hands, their elbows, their knees. Are there procedures that, you know, work on those body parts? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, what I see in my, I can tell you from my own experience, uh, what we see is a lot of pigmentation issues. So people have pigmentations in, in your underarms, uh, maybe, um, you know, around the elbows, knees, um, uh, you know, maybe the groins. Mm -hmm. So that's their prime concern. There are a lot of things that can be done. Um, for example, if you have pigmentation and, you know, crepey skin, you can go for peels. Um, if you have, um, you know, for your hands, if it starts to show aging, you can do your fillers. Um, you can even do fractional resurfacing. You fillers you know, so many. Hands? Yes, you can, yes. <laughs> you, you, you can do. Back up. You can do you can, you can uh, do fillers, you can do fraction lasers, you can do even peels. I think to start with, if you want to keep your hands in good shape, whatever you're using on your face, apply it on the back of your hands as well. Because I think hands are the most neglected part of uh, our body because we don't tend to put too much here, right? So if you're, if, you're, if you're doing like your night care routine, just apply it on the back of your hands also. And that will help you. And you wouldn't need fillers later on. Maybe, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I did not even think that you could put fillers in your hands. Yes. yes, you can. You can. So you can use Botox here for your hyperhidrosis. People who sweat a lot, we do Botox in the axilla um, on, you know, here. And then you can put fillers if you have a lot of veins showing and there's a lot of, um, you know, you want to make your hands look more youthful then fillers can be done. And then there's, there are so many things you can go for peels. You can go for fractional resurfacing, even micro needling. There are a lot of things that you can do. So. And what about your knees, like sagging skin or crepey skin on the knees? Um, again, same thing. Um, you can, you can, um, you know, with your thighs and a lot of people have that, um, you know, sagging uh, thing. So you can go for radio frequency, skin tightening, body contouring. There's so many machines now. Um, uh, there are different brands and there's so much there that you can do to your body as well. So um, I feel that uh, one thing would be obviously to moisturize your skin every day. And if you have that crepey skin, I think going for even a retinol peel once in a while will really help you uh, with that wrinkly kind of an effect. Okay. So I want to know what is your skincare routine? Because your skin is beautiful and glowing. Your hair is like luscious locks. Okay. You're on. I have my days. I, I have my days. <laughs> uh, today I 
I maybe today is a good day, but yes, I have my days when uh, my skin is all uh, over the place. It's not behaving properly. But then you know we have a lot of humidity right now, so the hair is also a little. Uh, I style my hair, but you can see it's all gone. <laughs> so for me, I think. Um, See again, I am not somebody who can do ten ten thousand steps. I like to keep it very simple. So, morning it's depends on how I'm feeling. So if I'm feeling a little, um, you know, dry, then I use hyaluronic acid. Um, I use a moisturizer on top and then put a sunscreen. And uh, there are days when I want to use a vitamin C, so I use vitamin C um, and then a moisturizer maybe and a sunscreen. And at night. Um, Three to four times in a week, I stick to uh, a retinol. I use a prescription retinoid. I don't use a retinol. Um, I'm using 0.04 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like to stick to that prescription because I feel it gives me a better result. Um, and then a um, few days, I like to exfoliate. So maybe with a lactic acid or a glycolic acid, um, just maybe twice or thrice in a week. What about That's- in your office? What are you doing in the office? Um, so I, I do Botox. Okay. Um, I recently started, um, about, I think one year back, I started uh, doing Botox for myself. Um, I have, um, done fractional resurfacing, uh, for some of my scarring. Um, then I do radio frequency for skin tightening once in a while. Um, I'm very lazy when it comes to, uh, <laughs> procedures <laughs> because, um, I hardly get time to, you know, uh, You're so busy myself. working on patients. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's my prime, uh, this thing. And a lot of people ask me, what do you do for yourself? I said, nothing. (laughs) I don't do anything. But I definitely try anything I bring in to my clinic. I try it on myself a couple of times. So I think chemical peels. I love chemical peels. I think they're easy. Uh, They give good results. So yeah, so I do peeling sometimes um, when my skin is not behaving. I have breakouts. I do a chemical peel. Sometimes I feel I'm uh, sagging a little bit. So radio frequency. Uh, Sometimes I need to work on that scars. So fractional so I have tried everything that I have um, but it's not a regular thing right oh well this is like you know I have my next appointment on the 31st and you've given me so much information (laughs) my doctor's probably going to say like where did you get all this information (laughs) I'm sure you know knew almost everything because um you you are a skincare junkie as you said you're quite informed you're quite informed you don't want to see my bathroom <laughs> and you know you don't want to ask my husband <laughs> flooded with products yes <laughs> well this has been so informative i really appreciate you coming on to naya unfiltered and answering all of my questions um hopefully i answered and i asked um all of the questions that our viewers wanted to um, ask themselves but couldn't and they got an answer. It was so informative. I appreciate you coming on and um, speaking to me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to our latest episode of Naya Unfiltered. Remember, you can always watch our full interview on our YouTube page at Naya Beauty App. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms like YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok, all at the same handle, at Naya Beauty App, so you can always stay up to date on all things Naya Beauty. Until next time, guys. Bye.